So you don't have to worry about a delay. You know, after I finish my sentence, if you wait, like, or the guest finishes the sentence, if I wait a couple of seconds, yeah, it might seem awkward during the interview. But when you go and edit that, you know, you can edit that awkward piece down and make it a faster flowing interview and make it sound better. So there's always that aspect. And, and, and again, it goes to comfort level. Sometimes I'll tell the guest that. You know, I'll be like, look, there might be a delay in me asking a question because I want to make sure you're finished with your answer and I don't want to interrupt you. And they actually appreciate that because there might be a couple of seconds of awkward and you don't want them to be like, hello, are you still there? Are you ready to become a world-class interviewer, stand out with your podcast and create an incredible audio experience for your listeners so that they keep coming back to your show and become raving fans? Welcome to the Podcast Interview Mastery, a weekly interview show where you will hear world-class podcast hosts and interviewers share their stories, tips, and strategies on how to become a master interviewer and hone your craft as a host. Are you ready to boost your confidence and inspire the masses? If so, buckle up, my friend, because this podcast will show you how. I'm your host, Tibor Nod, founder and host of the top-ranked Mindset Horizon podcast. What is up, my fellow podcaster? Welcome back to the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast today. I'm super excited for you because in this episode, you will learn how to spark your curiosity and become a passionate interviewer. But before we dive in, I would highly encourage you to hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast right now, maybe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so forth so that you get notifications about new episodes. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. I assume that you are an established podcaster who has been rocking the mic for a while, but if you happen to be someone who is just thinking about starting your own show, I would highly recommend you check out my podcast mastery course at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. That's again mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. In this course, I'm teaching you step-by-step how to start your authority-building podcast from scratch and take your impact, influence, and income to the next level. If you have any questions either related to the course or podcasting in general, do not hesitate to schedule a completely free 30-minute call with me at mindsethorizon.com forward slash free call. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash free call or shoot me an email at tibor at mindsethorizon.com. All right, so my guest today is Andrew Lewin, who is a marine scientist who got into podcasting to communicate science so that people would be more aware of the conversations issues facing the ocean and the people and the projects that are ongoing to help protect the ocean. Andrew now runs his own podcast management company with clients in various niches. At the beginning of today's episode, Andrew talked about why he started his podcast, Speak Up for Blue, what was the inspiration behind the show, and how he overcame his concerns about starting his podcast. In the middle, we talked about the importance of asking for feedback from your listeners and involving them in the process of creating a better and more valuable audio experience for them. After that, we dove deeper into Andrew's interviewing style, He shared how he prepares for interviews and what he does exactly to be prepared for his guests. Closer to the end of the episode, Andrew shared the two key things that he focused on to become an even better interviewer 
and shared his top insights on how to choose guests and topics that spark your curiosity so that you can conduct interviews with passion. In the end, Andrew shared some great resources on how to take your interviews to the next level. As always, you can check out the free resources, detailed show notes, links, and book recommendations at mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. And so without any further ado, my friend, please enjoy today's episode with Andrew Lewin. Hi, Andrew, and welcome to the podcast interview mastery show. Thanks, Tibor. Super excited to be here. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm excited to talk about podcasting and your journey with podcasting. And uh, yeah, I wanted to start this conversation basically with your with your story and journey. So how did you decide or when did you decide that you want to, you know, start your podcast, your own show? And uh, what was your inspiration? Well, I'm a marine biologist. Uh, and so everything I do, I'm inspired by the ocean. And so I started a website back in 2011, January 2011, and it was just going to be a blog. And I was going to write every day and it was going to be about ocean news because what I had realized the summer before is I was consulting and I I went to a number of conferences. And at the end of each of those conferences, these are scientific conferences where essentially scientists meet and they talk about the studies that they do in hopes that they would be able to uh, sort of sort of just tell everybody what they're up to and help you know perpetuate help help forward the science that they're doing by talking to other people, getting feedback, and so forth. And at the end of every conference, they always said, you know, if we wanted to do you know marine conservation, ocean conservation, protect the ocean properly we're preaching to the choir because we're talking to other scientists who know what we need to do to protect the ocean. The problem is, is we weren't talking to people, you know, the general public about what it required, what, what tasks required, were required to, you know, protect the ocean. And so I kind of got inspired by that. So I wanted to start a website to let people know of what we needed to do to protect the ocean as a community, as a world community. And so I started a website and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to write an article every day and I'm going to do that. And it's going to be awesome. And then I quickly realized I don't like writing that much. And so writing every day was a huge task and it takes a lot of work to do that. And so I did that for a while. And then about five years ago, I, well, probably before that I started listening, somebody put me on to, to video podcasting. So I was watching, uh, entrepreneurial sort of marketers and and uh it was actually uh mixergy at mixergy.com was was the show i started to watch and then i realized wow this guy has a podcast so i never listened to podcasts so i downloaded the podcast started listening to it i have a dog i go on my walks and we go you know we listen to podcasts and then of course once you start listening to podcasts you start going right into what other podcasts are out here? Oh my God, there's so many things. So I started listening to a number of different podcasts. And with that, as somebody who loves the ocean so much, I wanted to listen to what people were talking about for the ocean on on podcasting and nothing was there that I really thought was necessary. There's a thing with, with ocean stuff. When you look at it on mainstream media, you get a lot of the, what I like to call fluff, you know, and, and so yeah. things that the general public hear over and over and over again, sometimes it's good, 
where it's like, like, you know, calls to action of doing something. And then sometimes it's not so good where it's like, oh, another shark, quote unquote, attacked somebody. And that was kind of getting on my nerves. So what I wanted to do was provide a platform where I could talk about not only ocean news, but some of the projects that I knew about that weren't being talked about in the the sort of the general ocean news and ocean talk type of thing. So I was like, this is going to be perfect. I'll start a podcast. I'll interview my friends that I know in the marine conservation field, and we'll get their wonderful projects out in the open. Plus, we'll get to introduce all the wonderful people that are part of the marine conservation sort of realm, sort of that field. And so, you know, sorry, it's, it's a long backstory, but I just started podcasting. I started interviewing people. Uh, it took me about a year before I launched. And because I was, I was scared about what people were going to think in the science community, I finally launched and I did an interview podcast once a week for about 12 weeks. And after those 12 weeks, I realized I need to up this. I really like podcasting. And I wanted to up the game. So I upgraded my microphone and I upgraded from going once a week to doing five shows a week. And they were mostly solo shows. I went from interview to solo, but I still did some interviews. Uh, And then I've been playing around with the frequency of numbers. Now I'm back down to three times, uh, three times a week and about a 15 minute episode each time. Uh, I was at one time, I was at seven days a week, 15 minute episode. at one time. But that's sort of how my journey, that's how I got into podcasting. And I've been doing it for five years, you know, over a million downloads later, and I still love talking about the ocean. Wow, that's pretty awesome. What I love about podcasters is that I realize that they have a passion for something and then they want to, you know, speak their truth and 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 their passion, and which is really inspiring to me. And I like hearing those stories as well when it comes to podcasters. And I was just wondering, because you mentioned something, and I think it can be helpful for those who are just thinking about starting a podcast. You said that you were concerned about what people are going to think when you start a podcast in your community. So what was that thought process and how did you overcome that? Yeah, well, see, there's a thing in science. Um, it's you don't talk about science outside of science. It's sort of the unwritten rule uh, because you're because in science, we're taught to criticize. You know, so if I'm a scientist and I'm reading a, a journal article, you know, written by another scientist, my when I read it, I'm reading it for the information, but I'm critiquing it at the same time to say, are the methods used properly done? Are um, the results, you know, properly interp- interpreted? You know, and it, you just you read it with that critical mind because that's how you're taught. And so when we speak to the general public about science we're thinking I shouldn't be talking about this science because what if somebody criticizes me? And, and if, you, if you know or you don't know, when, we, when scientists started talking about climate change, we, came, we were late to the game in talking about climate change. And we all know what happened you know, in terms of communication around climate change. It got hijacked by industry. And now you, you know, it's a debate of whether it's real or not which it's not, it is mm. real, you know, but it's, it's a debate of who caused it. And so people are still on that. And, and now it's starting to move um, out of that realm, but it was there, it was stuck for decades. And because of that, the policies that needed to be done 
three decades ago are now emergency policies and it's more of like a do or die thing. And we're unfortunately, we're seeing the major consequences of that. So science communication in any form has really come a long way because a lot more people are getting involved and the technology such as podcasting is getting easier and easier to do. Uh, it's just a matter of are you ready to do it for the, the, the consistent long term. But when I first started, I was very concerned about how people feel. I started interviewing my friends in the field, people I knew and I knew their stories and I knew their projects really, really well. Uh, so it was easier to do the interview. But when I released the podcast, that's when I was really worried about what people would say. Luckily at the time, I didn't think a lot of people were listening to podcasts in my field. And then I, <laughs> I got, so I was like, oh, nobody's listening to this anyway. So why not? I might as well just release it. I'm, I'm kind of a, a person who will just throw stuff up against the wall to see what sticks. And that's sort of how I got into podcasting in, in terms of let's just do it and see what happens. Um, and so I went to a, I got invited actually to a conference uh, in, in Newfoundland, Canada. I live in Ontario, Canada. I got invited to a, a conference to podcast for the conference and do a bunch of interviews. One of the, the director of communications for that conference was listening to uh, my podcast because I had, we had covered one of his, wow. his articles. Yeah. We had covered one of his articles in uh, on our show one time and uh he listened to it and he listened to it ever since then. He loved it. And so he was like, hey, Andrew, you need to come down and you need to interview all these people. I'll, I'll set you up. So I, I got down there and I started interviewing all these people. And then, you know, conversate like when you interview somebody in person, it's completely different from interviewing someone online. And even when you interview someone online, you get to know that person outside of recording. Like you and I, we talked about it. We talked about the interview, but we also got to know each other a little bit before we press record. And then we'll probably have a little chit chat after. You know, when you're interviewing in person and you're interviewing at a conference, you know, I was having beers with these people. I was going down for coffees. You know, I was having meals with them because you could really get to know them. So the conversation of, oh, this is really interesting. How did you how did you start your little project? You know, how did you start podcasting? And tell me about podcasting. And then it started to, to grow right after that conference. I started to notice a boost in um, in in my stats, in the number of downloads. Because people that were at the conference were listening. The other thing I started to realize when I was at the conference is that some people were recognizing me by my voice. They would just pass pass by. Now, I do an audio-only podcast. I'm starting to get into video, but an audio-only podcast at the time. Uh, I walked by, or somebody walked by me, and they heard me speak, and they were like, you're the host of the Speak Up for Blue podcast. I was like, yeah, how'd you know? She said, I recognized your voice. I listen to you every day. I'm like, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, and that is, when you're not used to hearing that, that is a very surreal thing to hear. Uh, and you almost don't even know how to react. Um, but that's what, so that kind of gave me that confidence that, you know what, people are listening and they're really enjoying the show and they're enjoying the content. And then after that, I started to get feedback from people. And as mm. as people started to listen more and more and this stat, you know, the downloads started to go up, I started requesting feedback from people, you know, because I'm like, because a lot of times like you're in, I'm in my office and I'm talking to myself for 15 minutes. At that time it was like 45 minutes. So you're just kind of like, are people listening? Is this like worthwhile? So I started to ask it on my podcast and people would email me. People would uh, DM me on Instagram or DM me on Twitter and be like, hey, yeah, we really love this stuff. You know, keep up the great work. And so that's 
where I slowly got the confidence to kind of continue to do it. And the feed, that constant feedback from people really shows me that this is a worthwhile project to do. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a really great point there that feedback can be really encouraging. And I had the same experience when I started the Facebook group and I started inviting people, my listeners basically, you know, to the Facebook group and I saw people joining the group. It was really kind of like that feedback because I wanted to ask you about this feedback and I I've heard you talk about on your show that you basically share your email address mm-hmm. and social accounts and then Basically, this is the call to action that you have to get in touch with those people, right? That's that's right, completely. I I'll give out my email address. I'll uh, I had I also have a Facebook group that I get people. I I think I mentioned in every episode where I want people to join the podcast because the the entire point and it really goes down to my mission. The entire point is I'm the starting point of people's journey to understand what's happening to the ocean. A lot of the mm-hmm. times, the people that are coming to me, I've got. My my audience is is kind of segmented into people in science and people not in science. So the people that are not in science come to my podcast wanting to know more about the ocean, but they get a different flavor. They're getting sort of the flavor that we don't really talk about in the mainstream. So some of the projects that are really interesting, but it, they just don't have the platform to talk about it on a on a bigger scale. So they listen to that on my podcast. So they're starting a journey. So what I want people to do is when they come to my podcast and they start that journey is go to the Facebook group and share mm-hmm. your opinions and ask questions. And and mm-hmm. I think once we started to get that interaction, that's where I can get feedback from people and they feel comfortable giving feedback. But it's also a place where I get to see what they want to know, right? And it kind yeah. of drives my content uh, in the future. And I'll shout them out too. I'll be like, hey, Kimberly wanted to learn about orcas. So we're going to talk about orcas today. You know, and you start mentioning their names to make that community feel more like a community rather than just me dictating everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's key because, as you said, it drives the content. And, you know, this podcast, Podcast Interview Mastery, we focus on interviews. But, you know, on a bigger scale, it's about the content, right? And so, for example, if you have the feedback, for example, you can use that feedback to ask more specific questions from your guests and then you can conduct maybe a better interview. So that's that's really valuable because otherwise you're just trying to figure out what to cover and what to ask and how to ask. So I always try also to ask my group, hey guys, this is you know one of the guests that I'm going to one of the guests that I'm going to interview on the show. What would you ask? And uh, I try to ask them about you know, some things that they want to figure out or, or something like that. It's one of those things where every time I have a guest on or I consider a guest, I ask myself, is my audience going to want to know about this? Right. And, and if, if that's your drive, then you're in a good spot because mm-hmm. that's where you're really going to get the audience being like, that was a great episode. So just the, just actually yesterday I had, I did an interview on sea turtles uh, a, a guy in in Spain who did an, in, who did a project where they released sea turtles that were being rehabbed in Long Island Sound. So in New York, they released thirty one sea turtles to see, and they they use satellite tags to see if they would exhibit normal migration patterns. So we spend all this money, you know, trying to rehab all these all these sea turtles, get them better, and then we release them. But does it work? You know, should they stay in rehab or are they going to die when they go out there or are they going to just exhibit normal behavior? And we had an entire conversation on that. And one of my audience members summarized it 
and posted it on her Instagram. A wonderful wow. Like, you, wow. you can't ask for better press than that. Um, but it was the fact that she took the time, like she was inspired enough to take the time and summarize the podcast, like summarize the study, and then post it on Instagram, like a multiple paragraph post, and put up a couple pictures. And, and then she has this engaging audience on her Instagram. And that, like, when you see that people are willing to do that, you know that it matters the type of content that you put out because people get inspired in different ways and want to share it in different ways. Wow, that's pretty amazing, to be honest. Uh, that's a really good sign of, you know, listeners' engagement and and things like that. So speaking of interviews, mm-hmm. now you said that you think about your audience. And so when you prepare for an interview, how do you do this? Because this is, uh, I think it's also really interesting to know how other podcasters do this. But how do you incorporate this key idea of, okay, so I want to provide value to my audience. And so here's this guest and let's, let's see how I'm going to prepare for this interview. Yeah, for sure. A lot of the times I'm going to look at a topic, say, so I'll think about a topic and usually it has to do with animals or a, t- a specific habitat in my case, because it's, it has to do with ocean. So it could be a coral yeah. reef, it could be deep sea environment or something like that. And then I'm going to say, okay, this, sometimes I, I dictate what the content should be just because I know I haven't covered this in a while and it's starting to come up on the cusp of some articles or I hear people talking about it. So deep sea mining has been a thing that hasn't happened yet, but they're planning on it happening and there's a lot of questions surrounding it. And, and so what I wanted to do is I knew a couple of experts in the area. And so I wanted to make sure that I, I interviewed them to cover that because I know my audience would be interested in s- sort of the cusp of, of that type of topic. But the other topic is like, I've, I see how people react to other types of, you know, if we're talking about like a species at risk, you know, or we're talking about an iconic species such as a sea turtle or a blue whale or a humpback whale. Those are always items that will be really good. So I, I, I'll start with a topic that I know that people want to listen Mm -hmm. to. But then I go deeper and I say, what's something about this animal or about this habitat that people don't know about? You know, so let's go Mm -hmm. deeper into it. So everybody loves sharks. But, you know, when Shark Week comes by, we always listen to the same thing about sharks. We see how they, how a great white can bite in 75 of those shows. We see um, a tiger shark. We see all these things. And these are the sharks that people know and love and they're going to watch TV and and it's great entertainment. But what do we really know about sharks? So I had somebody on during that time, during that week where everybody's hyper-focused on sharks because Shark Week is their, is Discovery Channel's biggest week. And I talked about sharks that nobody's ever heard of before or discovering new sharks. I had a guy on who is a deep sea shark biologist and discovers and names new sharks all the time. And so, you know, I I take the topic and I go deeper into something that the audience hasn't heard of. And I try and really just sort of pique their curiosity, you know, because the biggest Mm -hmm. complaint about Shark Week is the fact that they never cover different types of sharks. You know, the sharks that are not the quote unquote bitey human type, you know, or there's no danger of them, but we, but they're still curious and they're still interested to find out about those sharks. So I try and cover those types of topics because I know just from the Facebook group, from interacting, from speaking to people, they just, 
they know what they want, but they don't know the topic yet. So my goal is to go out and search for that specific topic to intrigue their curiosity about something that they enjoy. Wow. That's pretty interesting. And I listened to that turtle conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was listening to your interviewing skills. So what I, I started doing with this podcast is that I basically listened to the conversations of the guests, my guests. Uh, I listen to their podcasts and I try to, you know, listen what the episode structure is or how the mm -hmm. episode is structured or the conversation. And what I realized that you're very curious. So when you ask the questions, the questions are specific and you are also very curious about the topic. So I think, or I feel that should be something that a host should focus on that you are also curious about the topic. Otherwise, you can't go really deep, if I'm not mistaken. So if I would, if I were to talk about monitors, let's say, or mm -hmm. something like that, maybe I wouldn't be so interested in that topic than, for example, mindset or podcasting or the things that I focus on in my life and I'm interested in. So what I realized that you are curious. You asked the questions and I felt you're very curious about the person. You're curious about different details connected to the topic that you talk about in the episode. So I think that's a key point there. I don't know if it's on purpose or it just comes as a natural talent, let's say so. So how do you incorporate that in interviews? Well, it's, it's a bit of both, to be honest. Um, I never knew it was a talent until people started to tell me about wow, you're a really good interviewer for this this type of topic. Mm. And, and you don't realize it because, yeah, it is. I have a natural passion for the ocean. I talk about the ocean three times a week, if not more, because I wow. love it that much. You know, I'm, I'm a marine biologist that lives in Ontario, so I'm surrounded by freshwater lakes. So the fact that I don't get to work in a full-time job you know, doing marine biology is very different, puts me in a very different setting. So I, re I rely on other people to sort of fill my curiosity. So other people who are doing projects who are out on the ocean or out on the coastline, and they're always doing projects. When I interview them, I am very curious and I put my science hat on. And so mm -hmm. there are times like in, in the podcast you're talking about where I talked to Dave, uh, Dr. Nathan Robinson about the sea turtles, you know, I am very curious about how you know, they, how they track the satellite tag, like even before the, I mean, Nathan and I are really good friends. We actually met through the podcast. And when, so when we talk, we talk for about an hour and a half before the interview. And then we do the, and we were like, oh, we should, we should do the interview now, but he'll talk about the, the projects and, and some of the upcoming projects that he has. And he, like the last time he talked about the satellite tag, you know, he showed me what the satellite tag looked like that they used um, or a new one that they're going to use that has a camera mounted on. So when I have that information and I have that passion, I'm very curious about what he did in that study, you know, from I want to make sure that the audience gets a good idea of what it looks like, you know, what that mm -hmm. study looks like. You got to remember when they release those turtles, they're holding on to those turtles on the back of a boat and they're putting them in the water and they're watching them be released and then they're tracking that satellite tag. So what does that data look like? How do you process that? How long does it take to process uh, and then what do the results look like? You know, like a lot of people don't realize, but sea turtles travel, you know, thousands of kilometers in, over a year. So thinking, you know, you're releasing from New York and they're going all the way down to Florida like that, like they, they've been out of the water for two up to two years and they go all the way down to Florida and then come all the way back up through the Gulf Stream. That's an insane, you know, fact to learn about. 
that these little sea turtles are not little and they're not really that little, but these sea turtles that you don't really think are very bright, you know, they're very primitive looking. Um, I try and give the audience that picture and say, this is an amazing thing that just happened. Not only just is it good for a study, but just think about that. You know, it just went from New York to Florida and back (laughs) within a year. Like that is mind boggling to me. And so that natural passion for these types Mm -hmm. of discoveries is absolutely insane. And then, you know, going back to they've been rehabbed. And so knowing that they they exhibit semi-normal behaviors after that is makes it even more exciting because you know all the work that the people put in these rehab facilities are actually working. You know, so they know they have the comfort of knowing that they're doing a good job. Right. Because science is it's experimental. So a lot of the times you're just like, you're asking yourself, is this going to work? And then when you find out it does work, and this is one of the first studies that really finds that out, then you're just kind of like, it's it's more than a pat on your back. <laughs> you know, might be a couple of drinks at the bar to celebrate, you know, to to just do that. But then also like in that in that interview, I asked more questions about what's next. Like what's the next study? And mm, and I, yeah. in my the back of my mind is like, how can I help? You know, I want to help to 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 do that. Uh, that's where the ideas start to go. And that's where my passion really comes out and my excitement really comes out. And I think that helps uh, in terms of making it more entertaining for the audience member to listen to. Oh, yeah, for sure. I couldn't agree more. And um, I started thinking about this in terms of, and and it's a takeaway, I guess, for the listeners as well, that you know when it comes to choosing guests for the interviews, it's important that you choose guests and pick topics that you are curious about. Otherwise, you can be so passionate in a conversation. So that element has to be there, so to speak. So because sometimes, you know, when it comes to choosing guests, it, it can be interesting because agencies are reaching out and you, for example, accept that guest and, and you, don't, you don't take the time to think about if that guest is a perfect fit and mm-hmm. if the topic is a perfect fit for you and for the audience. But I would say f- for the audience and then also for you just to bring out this curiosity because that's, I think, is needed to conduct great interviews. Yeah, and and I have to I definitely have to be interested in the project. I do get I, I'm at I'm at a fortunate point where I get people reaching out to me. So like you mentioned, I have, you know, people that are part of agencies or have their own business, they say, I can get you on any podcast and so forth. And so they have their clients and they they contact me on a weekly basis saying, Hey, I've got such and such client, here's their profile. Would you be interested in, in interviewing them? And some of them have been pretty big names. And I actually said no. Because I'm like, people know about these people. They they already have a name and they're just going to talk about fluff. And I don't want to talk about fluff. I want to talk about yeah. people that are going into doing some great things and making change, you know, because that's what it's all about. There, you know, there's a lot of document, there are a lot of documentaries out there. And if you look at Netflix, there are a number of documentaries that some are really good and some are missing the point. You know, they're great in terms of cinemagraphic, um, you know, visuals, but mm-hmm. they miss the overall point. One uh, one case in particular, the documentary Chasing Coral, it was a movie about, uh, a documentary about these filmmakers that wanted to film how corals bleached. Because it's an important mm-hmm. fact, and, and I, I get the point, 
but they focus so much on the technology and how to use that technology to watch corals bleach and essentially the audience watch corals bleach and just for anybody who's out there who do, who's not familiar bleaching is a bad thing for corals it's where the water gets too hot the algae that give it its colors and help feed the and help the coral build its skeleton um is is expunged from the or leave the coral and the corals eventually die if those algae don't come back and so that's happening worldwide through climate change the great barrier reef a couple of years ago 93 percent of the barrier reef which extends the entire west coast of the u.s to give it a sort of a a bit of a, a size and a bit of scale uh 93 of it bleached Right now, a lot of it came back, but there were certain parts that died forever, uh, and that's mm. a big problem right now. And so, this this movie, Chasing Coral, documented the bleaching. It was so sad. It was horrible to watch. Great cinematography, fantastic, and it really gave you the picture. So, for me as a scientist, I'm like, this is a great setup. Now they're going to spend most of the movie showing how people are adapting and what we need to do to curb climate change. But they didn't do that. They just showed the sadness. And they that's the, wow. the whole movie was showing the sad. Even at the end, they talked about a conference where Australian biologists met to talk about the Great Barrier, to talk about corals bleaching. And you just see scientists crying in this room. Well, like scientists are our hope for this, and you're seeing them cry. That's not a good way of showing how to get over this. It's not a good way to show what we need to do as a society, as a global society to curb climate change. It just shows that, oh, wow, they've, they've given up, we're done. And at the end, in the credits, they started to show people go around in classrooms to talk about the health of coral reef and, and, and you know, how to curb climate change to, to kids, which, yes, is very important for our future. Well, let's be honest, we're way past that. You know, the Great Barrier Reef, one of the eight wonders of the world, just 93% of it just bleached and we're going into classrooms. Like that's why how you show that it needs to be done. That got me angry because as a science communicator, my whole point is to change the behavior of people or to get them to change the behavior of people by understanding how, like showing a little bit of optimism that by changing your behavior, it works. So I yeah. tend to focus on trying to bring stories of communities that are adapting to climate change or showing how some corals aren't bleaching in some areas or if they are, how yeah. people are adapting to it to try and give a little bit more hope in a seamlessly dim and pessimistic sort of avenue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, raising the awareness and then providing, I think uh, we can say, you have with this approach you have a solution focused mindset so to speak yes. so kind of yes. like providing awareness and hope and and what we can do actually so i think that is something that definitely influences your interviews and conversations because you have this focus which is which is great because basically you have this north star for each of those interviews which is which is important what you want to communicate when you prepare for an interview Mm -hmm. And speaking of which, I'm just thinking, what do you exactly prepare for an interview? Like, do you do you prepare an outline? Do you have questions? Do you try to extract a story or something like that? Or what are some of the things that you, you know, think about before yeah. uh, going into an interview? 
Well, I'll be honest, my preparation has evolved for interviews from when I first started to now. When I first started, I would send people a list of questions uh, mm-hmm. to give them a, a guideline. Uh, but I would I would give the caveat that we might you know, deviate from this guideline. And I may not ask any of these <laughs> questions uh, based yeah, on yeah. how you answer the questions. The, the, the focus that I always put on is I'm here to promote the stuff that you're doing, the work that you're doing, because I, mm-hmm. I want this out there to my audience. And I think it's important. So once you do that, with, especially with scientists, they tend to relax a little bit. You're not out to get them because there is a huge uh, distrust for the media with scientists because they've been They've, they've been, you know, for lack of a better word, screwed by the media by taking snippets of their interview and making their own story, right? Or misquoting, yeah. them, right? Or taking yeah. their quotes yeah. out of context. So what I do is I do two things. One, I barely edit the interview. The only time I edit the interview is if we get cut off because of an internet connection issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I'll tell them and I say, if you're not comfortable with what you said, I will take it out. But for the most part, I'm just going to leave it in there because that gives them the trust that their entire context of the interview will be shown, you know, it will be heard. And that makes them feel better. And I say, look, just think of it. We're at a conference. We're having a coffee or a beer or a drink or a meal. And we're talking about your project. That's all it is. And that that relaxes people right away. And I can get a lot more information out there that they wouldn't normally share if I do that. Um, so now I don't give them the questions ahead of time unless they request it. And that's usually with somebody I don't know. A person like Nathan, I can contact him like, hey, I just saw your post on Sea Turtle Rehab. We got to get that on the podcast because my audience needs to listen to it. He'll go, name a, a place and time. I'll be there. We'll chat. And I don't even have to ask him questions because I know what he knows. I know that he knows a lot. I can ask him any question. He trusts me to ask the proper questions and we can just go. What is up, my friend? I hope you're enjoying today's episode and we're going to get back to this conversation very soon. But first, I want to tell you a story. So you might already know that I've been hosting my other show, The Mindset Horizon Podcast, for more than a year now. And while doing so, I was experimenting with producing and releasing more content in order to grow my audience. You see, releasing content more frequently can have a huge impact on growing your download numbers. There was a time where I released daily content on the Mindset Horizon podcast, but I needed to pay a lot more for hosting services just because of doing so. On top of all that, I was thinking about starting my second podcast, the one you are listening to right now, the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. This is how I decided to look for other hosting solutions that support podcast growth. I was more than glad when I found Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. With Captivate, you don't have to worry about paying more if you want to release more content or if you want to create more podcasts because they charge monthly fees based on download numbers. Captivate is the only podcast host that supports your creativity with unlimited podcasts for one inclusive price. That is why it was a no-brainer for me to leave my previous hosting provider and choose Captivate. So if you are thinking about producing more content for your existing show or you want to start more podcasts, I would highly recommend checking out Captivate at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Captivate. That's MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Captivate. 
Again, releasing content more frequently can have a huge impact on your download numbers, but can you do it without paying more for hosting services? With Captivate, you absolutely can. Check out Captivate at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Captivate and start growing your show exponentially. All right, my friends, so without any further ado, let's get back to today's interview mastery episode. When it's somebody I don't know right off the bat, I may send them questions just to you know, to be there, but I also have a process. I send them a video ahead of time to get them used to the software that we use um, for interviews. I just show I show them how it works and everything. I they can contact me for questions if it's through an agency that books uh, interviews. Same thing. I give them the whole rundown. This is what the interview is going to look like. Here are a couple of episodes as an example. Highly recommend you listen to them. But I I really stress now. It's a relaxed and laid back atmosphere. That's the type of person I am. I just want to have a conversation on the cool stuff that you do. That's that's what the the driver is. But I do in my prep, I'll do some research. I'll read the study or I'll do some research on social media of that person, get a feel for who they are, what they do. And then just as you mentioned, I extract a story from it. So, and then before the interview, I'll talk to them for 15 minutes, sometimes longer, depending if we know each other, but I'll just say, look, this is what I want to get out of this interview. Do you agree with this sort of steps? Usually they're like, yeah, that sounds great. And then sometimes I'll deviate halfway through and I'll, cause I'll see another storyline coming through that I find a little bit more interesting or that my audience will like, and then I'll start to pursue that. So from the, from the interview, it's a bit of a little bit of prep at the beginning. Um, especially if I don't know the person, I've never spoken to the person. Uh, and then it's more of adapt as you go along, right? And so if they say something in the in one of their answers that really piques my curiosity, I'll follow that step for a little bit and see how long I can follow that step. Then I'll bring it back, you know, because the audience knows I like to divert. And so I'll be like, okay, I digress. Let's get back to the regular storyline if I don't think it can follow something there. Um, but as you like, I get more excited for me to go down this new path as an interviewer because it's a challenge for me to be like, okay, let's see where this storyline takes me. And I, and I I feel as though that, that expression comes out in the interview. And some of those have been my best episodes where I've gotten the, the best feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we are kind of like back to curiosity a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, you've mentioned a couple of things but um, I wanted to mention that Larry King talks about this, that basically he interviewed people by using his curiosity. He didn't know anything about the people sometimes. And then he just basically followed his curiosity and asked the questions, right? And I was wondering when you said you kind of like, you know, start following another storyline. Do you have, you know, during the interview, do you have a do you have an outline in front of you or you're just alone with the microphone and you kind of like trust yourself and you just boom, go with the conversation? When I first started, I had an outline. I had the questions and mm-hmm. I would, cause I would be nervous and I was like, am I asking all the questions? And I'd be looking at the time and all that kind of stuff. Now I'm a lot more comfortable. I've done over a thousand episodes. So mm-hmm. I've, <laughs> I'm so comfortable right now that I just kind of, I, I just, it's just more of just riffing you know, as musicians will say, I'll just kind of go with the flow. And so (laughs) sometimes I'll have the article in front of me and sometimes I'll have like their picture in front of me or we'll be on video or something. Um, But I'm a lot more comfortable with managing everything. 
Um, because I, th- yeah. I feel like when you're interviewing, there's so many moving pieces. There's the recording equipment that you have to make sure is is running properly. There's the software that you're using. You want to make sure is running properly. Um, you want to make sure the guest is comfortable. You want to make sure you're comfortable with that guest. You want to make sure that you're jiving with that guest, that there's a good relationship there because you can tell if they're not, if there's, if there's something, if there's no chemistry there then yeah. the audience can tell it's just more mechanic. And I don't want it to be mechanic. I want it to be entertaining. And so we want to make sure there's that level of comfort. But now I've got everything under control, I feel. You know, I'm in my comfort zone. And so I just just go with the flow and I just listen to them, especially if they've been on the show a couple of times, they know how it works. Um, then it's just more like, I'm just going to have fun. You know, I'll, I'll refer to previous interviews that we've done. Um, and it's just a lot of fun for me. So it becomes super relaxed and I just go with the flow. And sometimes you'll see, I'm a little, you know, I play a little bit of devil's advocate or I'll tease them a little <laughs> bit as I get more comfortable yeah. with them. And it just kind of adds to that <laughs> entertainment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah. And even sometimes it's a new guest, but I, I can tell by their personality as it, once you interview a lot of people, you can tell their personalities right off the bat and you know what wow. you can, you know, how you can tease them a little bit. Um, and I'm not saying like get out of the political correctness kind of realm. I mean, this is just, teasing them about, you know, like there's some people, there's a lot of people actually in this field who will do a lot. I just interviewed somebody who was a veterinarian uh, uh, of larger animals, sort of like um, mm-hmm. not, uh, not ex- I guess, exotic animals, like zoo animals and so forth. And, you know, she is a professor at University of California, Davis. She, but she also does, you know, veterinary consulting for the Sacramento Zoo. Now, if you, mm-hmm. if you really think about that, when they say those titles, they sound impressive. But if you actually think about what they're doing, they have a full course load you know, where they teach, they mentor students, they have graduate students, which is a, a full-time job plus more just in itself. And then they consult at a zoo and, and do procedures at a zoo. That's a lot of work. So a lot of the times when they say all that and I'm like, and what else do you do? Because that's not enough. You know, like you just joke about it because you're like, <laughs> how do you get all that done? And then you know yeah. that they're, they're, you know, they play into that. You, you can tell by their, their personality that they'll play into that. Um, you know, they'll just shrug it off like all the day's work or something. But then you get into the showing just by doing that, by highlighting how much they do, you show how passionate they are. And so it brings out yeah. their personality right away and it relaxes them because they're kind of laughing at it a bit. Now, some pers- some people don't have the personality for that, you know, and so you have to be able to, to judge, but it takes over a thousand episodes to do that, you know, where you get that experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I listened to that conversation just a little and mm-hmm. I listened to the beginning of the conversation and I remember you asked, and how do you balance that? So mm-hmm. she was talking about all that stuff and you asked, how do you balance that? Which is kind of like, yeah. And then she was talking about, you know, time management and stuff like that, which is, again, this is the curiosity. You were curious. And also I I, I felt that you were trying to figure out their story and go a little bit deeper into the Absolutely. inspiration and motivation. And besides just talking about different topics connected to the podcast basically so getting getting to know them as a person and um basically you know helping the audience get to know them also and i was also wondering about this if it's on purpose that you start with this basically in the beginning yeah what's what's the what's the reason for that 
the way I think of it, if you look at any story, any movie, any TV show, there's an overarching story that they want to tell throughout the entire process. But then there's a lot of little underlining stories, right, that are sort of, you know, embedded in that overarching storyline. And with my podcast, I have those underlying stories from listening to my audience. So at the beginning of the episode, I said there's two types of audience members that I have. I have those that are not scientists and those that are scientists. And and the scientists I know really well because I well, I am one, but also yeah. and I've worked in that industry for 20 years, but I've also spoke I've spoken to so many people about careers, about lifestyles in this career, about the challenges of having a career about the challenges of being uh, a woman or a minority woman in this career field. Those are the underlying stories that I try and get out of each interview, right? So when I mention that, and, and a lot of the times it's a joke, oh, how do you get all this done? There's not enough time in the day to do all this stuff. I start to talk <laughs> about like life balance because I want people to know that people struggle. Even when you hear that, yes, it's impressive, but they struggle to maintain a proper work-life balance. When you are a marine biologist, you are a passionate person, you don't earn a lot of money, but you love to be on the ocean. And that is the benefit. But what happens is a lot of people work so hard that they don't have a life outside of that. You know, they may not have a family, they may not even have a partner because they work so hard. So the idea for, and a lot of times they get burnt out. And that's a huge problem in marine biology. That's one of those underlying stories that we talk about. And so I make sure I highlight that to say, you know what? It's okay if you don't work 28 or, or 18 hours a day. It's okay if you have kids and you want to spend time with your kids. You know, it's okay if you if you don't take that one job that you're traveling all the time. Because yeah, it's great to be out on the ocean all the time. But I have two daughters at home that need me at home, you know, that need me to help mentor them to grow up. And they need their dad. And so if I'm out on the ocean enjoying my life, which is great, that's a tough task to balance. So there are people who have to balance that. So I I talk to the interviewees, the guests, to say, how do you balance that? Because some of the people are, are in those situations. I also talk about, I had a great episode uh, where, um, actually, the last in, in the last six months, I've had two great episodes that I felt have really changed the way we've looked at uh, the way we we. We cover. I cover topics on the show. One of them uh, was with a woman who was sexually harassed as a graduate student. And she came on the podcast and told her story and told about how at her university, she didn't feel protected because of the policies and the way they handled everything. And then she, she had the strength to share her story so much that it went to her state senator. And she actually testified and helped drive a bill that would better protect students at university from being sexually harassed. That is a, a, a big problem within the field of marine conservation, as well as any other field, but in the field of marine conservation that I've come across. And it was really important for, for this woman to come on and tell her, and the fact that she had the strength to share her story on the podcast and then see change because of it and show that, you know what? This is not a topic I'm going to shy away from. You know, because it's it shouldn't be talked about. It should be talked about, and because of it, one of the one of the organizations that was sort of promoting the person who was sexually assaulting her, uh, constantly promoting her, that person, they actually change. They actually contact her 
to be on a committee to help change the policies of how they look at people that they promote for their fellowships. So that was a huge change. And that might not have happened had she not come on and shared her story on the podcast, right? And so that was a huge story that was a sensitive topic, but it's one of those underlying stories that are extremely important to women in science, right? For going into science, to going to conferences, to going in the field, all these types of things, you got to look at their safety uh, to make sure. And that's what they have to consider when I was a white man going into the field. I don't have to consider my safety other than the actual work that I'm doing in terms of like you're being around water, heavy objects and so forth. Women have to think about a lot of different other things. And one of those is being sexually harassed by the people that she's going out on the team with. And so covering those stories to say, you know what, it's not okay that people do this. And it's mm, okay yeah. to stand up for yourself, just like this woman so proudly did. And it wasn't easy to do so. We were able to help. I, I hope that we were able to help shed more light into that and help more people stand up for themselves where they didn't think they needed to. The other topic that we covered was minorities in science. And we talked about uh, it from this 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 whole Black Lives Matter uh, movement that happened again in, in, in June, uh, that sort of peaked in June. There were a lot of uh, black marine scientists that started to discover each other to say, hey, you know, they went out on Twitter and be like, I'm a black marine scientist. I'm a black marine scientist. Wow. They didn't know each other. So they started to connect. And the, these a few women, black women, formed an organization called, um, it was MISS. It was Minorities and Shark Science. They were all shark scientists. And what they did is they formed this organization. And then in that organization, they've raised funds to provide minority women who want to pursue some sort of either marine biology or wildlife conservation life, you know, like like career but don't have the means to get out to the ocean, they're providing trips that will teach them and mentor them through that process. Now, that is an extremely great matter of coming from such a a tragedy or a series of tragedies. Now we're seeing such positive messaging coming out of this and a great organization to do that. I was able to have one of the founders on and we we were able to talk about what it meant to be a minority in science, not only just a minority, but a minority woman in science. And I think that, again, wow. these are those underlying stories that help people say, I can do this, right? And and help people like in my audience who are early career scientists saying, okay, so this can be talked about. This doesn't have to be an issue that we just complain about and we don't talk about it. We're talking about it on the podcast, so it opens up those conversation lines. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And I was just wondering, as you were talking, that obviously you got to this point where you are really comfortable with interviews, you know, about the stories and stuff like that. So I was wondering, if you look at your journey as an interviewer, what are some of the things that you you saw that were working and you kind of like focused on that so to become better, so to speak? So were there some skills or maybe tactics or or something that you, you felt that yeah, this is really working. This is something I want to, you know, keep doing when I'm conducting interviews. Absolutely. There are two things that I focus on. Uh, one is making sure the guest is comfortable. Uh, and that goes from 
before we even talk on for the interview where I mm-hmm. prep them for the software for everything so they're not flustered by by um, the the tech that's involved uh, and that they're because they're already going to be nervous coming on if they're not nervous if they're nervous on a microphone or something like that or they've never done this type of stuff before the other thing is I talk to them about 15 minutes to a half hour before the episode just about them just about the podcast. Oh about okay. their, their topic, what I want to get out of it, the fact that I want to promote them. We have some laughs. We talk. Sometimes it ends up being like an hour. Sometimes it ends up being an hour and a half. Whatever I need to do to make them feel that comfortable. And then all of a sudden, I'll be like, hey, just to let you know, uh, this is what the interview is going to be like. And they're like, oh, well, that's easy. And actually, a lot of scientists, especially older scientists that have been on that have never really done this before, um, they've been so happy after that they'll email me after, be like, hey, man, I had a great time. That was so much fun. Love to do it again sometime. I'm about to come back. One guy was um, the deep sea shark scientist. He's like, I'm about to go to Sri Lanka to look for deep sea uh, sharks. How about when I come back, I come back on and we talk about it on the podcast. I'm like, perfect. It's like setting it up. But he he would never would have done it if he wasn't asked to do it and he didn't go through that process and was comfortable. Right. And so the fact that I can keep them as comfortable as possible. In fact, I was actually just reading a book. Uh, it's a Howard Stern book and it's called it's called Comes Again. Oh. It's all about he he talks. It's actually really cool. He talks about all his famous all the interviews that he likes to talk about that he's most proud of. And he gives you snippets of those interviews. But he gives you a little wow. introduction of what he did and why he thought that was that was such great interviews. And a lot of the times it was the guests are so comfortable that they're oh, willing to oh. share anything and everything. And they're actually surprised at what they're willing to share. That's the tactic I like to take, is make them as comfortable as possible so that they're willing to share really anything about the study you know, or about their projects. That's the goal. That's pretty amazing. And let me reflect on that a little bit because sure. there are different ways to do that. And uh, that's huge. And that's why I actually asked you about the, the story in the beginning because mm-hmm. I've heard someone say that it, it was a guy, I don't remember his name, but he was talking about interviews. Uh, he's a podcaster and he was saying that it takes about 27 minutes until someone relaxes in the conversation. And mm-hmm. I I don't know if the number is correct or, or where he got this <laughs> number, specific. but it, it's yeah, 27.5 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> minutes. But I was like, there's something to this. So there, there has to be some kind of... Uh, I would say more casual conversation somewhere, either in the beginning of the conversation or maybe a pre-interview or something to make them feel at ease and make them more comfortable. So you've mentioned that pre-interview. So is it happening on the same day when you record a conversation or is it some some somewhere else before the, the recording? I would say 90% of the time it happens before we record. So on the same day as the interview. Uh, it really depends on how much time the guest have has. Yeah. So I'm very aware and I make sure I tell them, you know, if you have something to do, let me know. We can we can do a quick interview or we can do a pre-interview before that to get you comfortable. Uh if it's somebody that I already know and that's been on the podcast a while, like somebody like Nathan uh or Chris Parsons who's been on the show a number of times, he they know what it what the situation is. They know that you know, to schedule an hour or two because we're probably going to catch up or talk about other business or talk about other science. Uh, and so they'll, they'll schedule that time before, as we, you know, as we schedule the time for the interview. 
So it 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 really depends. But I would say ninety percent of the time is it's done right before that interview. And I and I let people know in the in my yeah. process. It's just like just you know be sure to just schedule an hour and a half to two hours so that you know so that you have time and you're comfortable and we're not rushing. Because um, you just never know, too. Sometimes there's technical troubles. You know, sometimes, yeah. you know, uh, the software that you're using, like I, a lot of times I'll use Zoom or Squadcast and I'll be like, you know, just sometimes it's not working today, you know, or the Internet's yeah. not work, yeah. cooperating today. Totally. You know, so totally. sometimes if you if you have them scheduled that time, they're comfortable. I'm comfortable and, and it's uh, it's pretty good. So I think it's important, you know, to block out some some time to to be comfortable because i interviewed some bigger names on my other podcast and and stuff like that and they have you know 15 minutes 30 minutes and you're kind of like rushing yeah and i it's harder for me to get into that flow state and uh by the way you've mentioned flow state or just go with the flow a couple of times during this conversation and that's something that we talk about in detail on the mindset horizon podcast in fact i just had someone on the show you know, um, from the Flow Research Collective from the U.S. He was talking, one of the co-founders of, of that collective, and we talked about Flow. And it, it, it has to do with the focus and attention that you are basically immersed in the conversation, right? And you have this immersion, right, in the conversation. And when you're in this in this flow state, it's easier to forget about inner critics and, oh my God, what am I going to ask next? And, and things like that. So basically time disappears and and inner critic disappears but i don't really want to go into too much details people can listen to that on the other podcast but it's an interesting thing and and flow is becoming a really i would say popular topic especially when it's connected to happiness positive psychology absolutely uh, productivity performance and and all these things and in a conversation we basically perform you've mentioned that you had two things connected to interviews and one was the making the guests feel at ease. Yes. And I was wondering about the other thing. I think I don't think you've mentioned that. No, I haven't. And thank you for for reminding me. Uh yeah. It's the other one is listening. Being a good listener. So as you can see, I like to talk. I'm a podcaster. We podcasters love to talk and what you have to <laughs> really learn when you do an interview is not interrupt people. And it is a fight for me. It is a fight because I always like to have my opinion stated. Uh, and expressed. You're and excited. I'm very excited. And that excitement can come off as, you know, one, you want to listen to the person because you're there to, for them to tell their story. You are, you're having them on the podcast for them to tell your story. So you don't want to interrupt them. You know, sometimes you have to because they are good talkers and they need a break and, and you need to so get a, new, a different voice in there at, at times. But for the most part, you have to sit back and, and listen so that they can get their story out. And you never know what they're going to say, which makes it really interesting. So the more you listen, the more content you can work with. Uh, but if you're always interrupting, one, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to get the audience member angry because you're not, gonna, you're, not listen, you're not listening enough and you're interrupting constantly. Uh, but the other thing is it's, it makes it for a more interesting show. Because you're you're the whole point is you're highlighting this person, you're promoting this person, so you want to have them speak, and so that's the that's what that's why it's so important to listen. It's not a hard thing to do, 
For me, it's a little harder because I have to sit here with my either my mic muted or drinking some water as somebody says something, um, or just remember what you want to say and just wait till they're finished and then bring that topic back up again and dive deeper oh, yeah. into that, right? But yeah, listening is is probably one of the most important parts of a uh, a podcast. And the best part about a podcast is it's recorded, it's pre-recorded. So you don't have to worry about a delay. You know, after I finish my sentence, if you wait, like, or the guest finishes the sentence, if I wait a couple of seconds, yeah, it might seem awkward during the interview. But when you go and edit that, you know, you can edit that awkward piece down and make it a faster flowing interview and make it a sound better. Yeah. So there's always that aspect. And, and, and again, it goes to comfort level. Sometimes I'll tell the guest that. You know, I'll be like, look, there might be a delay in me asking a question because I want to make sure you're finished with your answer and I don't want to interrupt you. And they actually appreciate that because there might be a couple of seconds of awkward and you don't want them to be like, hello, are you still there? Are you, you know, you know, as you do that, because they're nervous as well. They might be nervous as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's good that you that you wait. And it's to be honest, it's a hard thing for me. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. It's not an easy thing. I tend to want to say something so quickly, um, but it could be really uh, off-putting to the audience member. I've actually had a comment, and I don't remember what interview I did this, uh, but I had a comment on one of my reviews being like, let the person speak because I must have oh, been interrupting really? them so much. And that happens. It does, it's, I'm, you know, not every interview is going to be perfect, but you know, I still wish I knew what interview that was. But um, you know, it's something that you have to be careful. I actually went to my Facebook group and asked. I said, do I, do I cut people off often? I want to know. Please let me know. And people were Pretty much the same. They're like, no, it doesn't happen. They're not that that we can tell. Um, so it was kind of good that that I knew that. But it's something that I I constantly worry because you don't want to be you don't want to seem rude by cutting people off either, right? But you want them to tell their story. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a great point connected to editing and uh, uh, this whole notion that you talked about this that this is a recording and stuff like that. It's good because it can make the person, the guest feel at ease that, you know, we can cut out that pause, whatever it is. And also the interviewer make feel, feel at ease, you know, compared to, let's say, live radio or something like, you know, it's okay if I say, you know, you have been, I don't know, speaking for 10 minutes and you have mentioned really interesting things. And I just took some notes and let me, for example, think about the next question because you've mentioned so many interesting things and let me just you know, have a look at what I want to get back to, for example. And it's just off the record, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. And now you can cut it out, so to speak, Absolutely. and then go on with the question. So it's kind of like that flexibility uh, with the editing, which is great. Andrew, I think we could go for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like to talk, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> because, and there are so many topics. And to be honest, I'm I'm really blown away because we have talked about really interesting things and i feel that you kind of like put really a lot of effort and 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 thought into how to conduct better interviews which is great which i'm also trying to and aspiring to do but as we are wrapping up so to speak i usually ask my guests about either book recommendations and and you have mentioned one book that could be useful to the listeners so that they can become better either interviewers, communicators, or podcasters. Or maybe you have an interviewer or a podcast host in mind that you listen to and you would recommend to listen to. Um, 
Do you have anything in mind? What I I actually what I recommend. Well, I, I recommend that Howard Stern book. You know, I know Howard Stern is can be quite controversial at times, but he he's also known as one of the best interviewers in the game. Um, you mentioned Larry King. Reading their books is really interesting, but watching their style, you know, and listening to them is really interesting. You know, people like Joe Rogan and, and Howard Stern, like you wouldn't expect them to put a lot of effort into their interviews, but they've honed their craft over decades to make sure that they can ask the right questions. And it doesn't seem like they put a lot of effort into it, but they're actually, they're, they're all purposeful. And when you read like Howard Stern's book of what he was trying to get out of that, he even includes a couple of interviews where, you know, he talks now about, you know, his regrets of what he didn't ask Donald Trump, you know, before wow. he was president, you know, and, and so he put it in the book to show that not every interview is perfect. You know what I mean? And, and what he was hoping to get out of that interview. And some of them are like, I, I was really proud of this interview or this one I wasn't as proud, but I'm putting it in here to, to show you why I'm not proud of it. You know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's really interesting to get into the insight of one of those types of people who are known to be great interviewers. The other thing I would, I would recommend to you is, is listen or read any of Gary Vaynerchuk's books. Um, oh, that's, really? Wow. Yeah. Cause that's what motivates me to keep going. Cause I think with podcasting, there's the fact of having a great show and having the great content and being a great interview. But there's also the fact of you're on a medium that people listen to quite a bit. You know, like when the, when podcast audience members listen to a podcast, mm -hmm. they become loyal to that podcast. There are a million podcasts out there, over a million probably now. Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. they chose to listen to you. So there's a reason behind that. So, you know, Gary Vee talks about, you know, gratitude, but he also talks about consistency and just putting out stuff and trying new things. And to become a better interviewer, you have to put yourself out of your comfort zone. You know, I talk about comfort to make sure that you're comfortable as the interviewer and the guest is comfortable, but also try something new. Because if you don't try something new, you'll never get better. And sometimes that will succeed. And most of the times you may think it's going to fail but somebody in the audience be like, I really liked how you did that. You know, so, wow. you know, reading Crushing It and Crush It, like the two books there and listening to anything Gary Vee for motivation. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. Um, I would also listen to um, a, a guest that you just had, uh, John Lee Dumas. You know, we're both part of this, the same Podcasters Paradise group. But John was able to do interviews every day. Like 365 days a year, he posted an interview. <laughs> you become really great at posting interviews there. And it's a different style because he's doing it so many times that it's, it's a bit, the questions get a little bit repetitive, but there's a, com there's a completely different style to that of doing it once a week. And so yeah. listening to different ways of interviewing will really give you a breadth of knowledge and expand that. Um, sort of those those skills and qualities, depending on how you want to do your interview show. If you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're this episode and you're like, I don't know what kind of interview I want to do, or I do know what kind of interview I want to do, that's where you by listening to different styles, whether it's in your niche or not. Now you can really start to hone in what type of interview you want to be. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, that's a great example with GLD because you know I've been thinking about this that. You know, uh, 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 an interview 
or let's say an interview style where you basically ask the same questions and I kind of like try to optimize my interviews for this podcast because you know there's a very specific topic right and there are some very specific questions connected to this topic you know interviewing but I also wanted to incorporate the stories that we just talked about so that's why I want to know about the person and, and and so on and so forth so even though I have, for example, or even though someone has kind of like a, an interview flow f- um, for all of the interviews or to all of those interviews, a question could be, how can I make it even more entertaining or more interesting to the listeners mm-hmm. so they just don't, you know, just don't hear about, you know, what microphone do you use or how do you prepare for conversations and so on and so forth. So but these are great points. And uh, I, I love Gary Vee when he talks about, you know, that many people expect fame after posting one thing on Facebook. And uh, this is the point to the consistency, right? Absolutely. Like you're putting out content like crazy. And I think he mentioned something like that, that he was kind of like basically living on Facebook. It's, it's speaking to the fact that you have to be consistent on any medium, podcasting, social media, whatever you you want to use to put yourself out there or your content. So it's kind yeah. of like a great point there. Oh, it's it's definitely and and one thing I just realized, you know, I, I named three three men that that I sort of I follow, uh, and I and, and I recommend it. But I would also recommend um, a great interviewer that I find is a great interview is Amy Landino. Uh, and for those of you who who don't know, hmm. she's actually she's actually in the book Crushing It. Um, for by Gary V, but she she does a lot of um, she's do a lot on social media on YouTube, but she also has a podcast where she interviews. Now she's more worried. Now she's more focused on uh, entrepreneurship and um, you know, sort of uh, what do you call it? Uh, oh, I forget the name of it, but it's it. I forget the name of the term, but it's essentially it productivity. You know how to be more productive. Yeah. Uh, but she interviews yeah. a lot of women entrepreneurs. Uh, so all of the people that, you know, that are, that are female listening to this and you want to learn a different style, that's not sort of a style that's proposed by men and, uh, in a different style, Amy Land, you know, and for men as well, like I follow her quite a bit. Um, and, uh, she's an amazing, an amazing interviewer. So she's really a relaxed person, you know, sometimes she'll have people on and they'll drink wine with her BFF. And then sometimes it's more serious and more about, the amount of knowledge this person like Amy has on YouTube and social media and productivity is absolutely amazing. So somebody like that would be good to, to follow as well to learn about interview style. Yeah, that's awesome. And thanks for sharing all the names. It's uh, really, really cool. And um, before I ask my last question, what's the best way to connect with you and learn more about you and your podcast? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can go, my website, speakupforblue.com. Uh, and, uh, I do actually help people. Like I do own a, a, a firm where I, I help people with their podcasts, but, um, speak up for blue has all my network of my podcasts on there as well, as well as my clients that I work with. Um, if you want to email me, you can do so Andrew at speak up for blue.com. Uh, if you want to look at me, uh, look for me on, um, on Instagram, speak up for blue. Uh, or on Twitter, speak up for blue. Uh, and then on Instagram, if you want to just go to my personal site, it's uh, podcast Andrew and, uh, and same with Twitter. So uh, those are the places to find me uh, if you want to get a hold of me. And I'd be more than happy to answer anybody's questions uh, or just chat about podcasting in general. 
Awesome. Thanks for sharing. And the links are going to be in the show notes and available on our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. So people can check out the show notes there. And uh, my last question, Andrew, is what is your vision for your podcast in the future? For the Speak Up for Blue podcast, um, my vision is really to help change people's uh, outlook and behavior around oceans. You know, from, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that we can do for the ocean is to, and to protect it is to change the way we live. We live a very wasteful life. We live a very non-ocean friendly life to get people to change that, that mindset around, you know, living around the ocean, how to better protect it. That's my goal in, for the Speak Up for Blue podcast. For, for doing that, I have, a, I have a couple of things, a couple of ideas that are coming in the pipeline. Um, some of those ideas are following how people organize, uh, an, how people come up with an organization, file for all the paperwork, just plan the organization, the projects that they have. And others is to follow people as they go through projects. You know, so mm-hmm. we're going to be getting into the mindset of like what a scientist thinks, how a conservationist thinks, and then how you can better change your behavior around the ocean. That's my mission for the podcast. Um, in the ways I'm going to do that, is I'm just going to continue to bring stories of people that I love and respect in the field to help just move that field along, uh, to help people within the field as well as outside the field learn about the ocean. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And I wish you good luck with all those aspirations. And thank you, Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been great. Thank you, too. I appreciate it. I love being on this, uh, on this podcast. It's been a great experience. I appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. If you feel inspired to hang out with other like-minded podcasters, make sure to join the Podcast Interview Nation community at mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview nation. If you want to check out the details, show notes, book recommendations, interview tips, and free resources, please make sure to head over to our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. I will catch you next time. And until then, be world class, my friend.